welcome to Teacher Zion Podcast. On the question of suffering for one's belief, we're questioning the official stance of the church. It's definitely like a mark you have on you that you're not safe person to talk to. You are you you're shunned basically like almost like you have a disease and they're afraid they're going to catch it and um if you've been excommunicated you're everyone's warned not to talk to you yeah and so you're definitely looked at differently and you um you know people don't talk to you they're kind of you kind of feel like people are scared of you and like my son when he was in seminary um he he was talking about joseph smith and not being a polygamist and and people were very mean and you know it just made it an uncomfortable environment for him he didn't end up staying in that class um it's just you can't i mean he learned his lesson i think you can't just share with everybody <laughs> anything because it doesn't work yeah. um you have to like i know that everyone's on their own path and people definitely have been blessed by the church but at the same time it's like those those same people are are hurting other people that are finding out other truths and they're just not willing to hear it they just don't want to hear it they're it's a it's a fear yeah. it's a, a huge fear that they have yes, certainly i mean they i feel like i mean those questions that are being asked or those truths i mean it, it's an uncomfortable thing because then you're asked to question some of your beliefs that are just, you know, have been ingrained from, I mean, forever, your whole life, mm -hmm. you know, in the church. Yeah. Um, if you begin asking questions like that, then where does it, where does it lead to? And it's a frightening thing for some people. I, I think shunning is it, as awful and as cruel as it can be, that kind of technique that's used in a lot of religions and the Amish go through it and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I understand that it really it's an insecurity and a fear on the part of those who do the shunning. And what an awful bondage it is that you're afraid yeah. to talk to somebody just because they think differently or they've questioned something. And, um, you know, a friend of mine has always said, the truth can bear inspection. You know, mm -hmm. if, it, if it can't, yeah, if mm -hmm. it can't, it's not the truth. And... I, I will admit, I was not always so forthcoming and questioning things myself. I spent a lot of years in denial and mm -hmm. avoiding certain things. My dad actually lost faith in the church and then lost faith in God altogether. He became an atheist. And he would just say all kinds of things, you know, about Joseph Smith or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just went in denial like I didn't even want to look at it. I think I was afraid to look at it. But mm -hmm. I, I learned... I learned, I eventually realized truth is more important than anything. If truth led me to atheism, so be it. If it's true, then I don't want to live a lie. And you right. know what? As I started to look at it and I dug in and became more and more fearless, it strengthened my faith in God. And I realized there's some things I can stand on 100%, the Book of Mormon being one of those. But mm -hmm. I did find out I could not rely on a church institution. I could not rely on some other man to tell me and direct my path for me or tell me what God had to say. I needed to know myself. 
And right. I think that's what Joseph Smith taught. That's what the Book of Mormon teaches, what the Bible teaches. I mean, these are foundational scriptures. So if that's not being exercised, there's a problem. <laughs> but what about the question of temples? Um, I'm bringing that up because I just okay. did a series. Uh, Mike Barrett did a series on Restored Gospel Podcasts on temples. And then he kind of involved me in an interview about priesthood and temples. Um, where are you on temples and and you know, looking at, you mentioned ordinances and so forth in the temples. Right. Okay. So my husband did a, a word study on temples in, um, in the scriptures. And so basically, you know, the gospel library app, you can just put a word in and then it brings up all the scriptures that have that word in it. Yeah. And so he, you know, we were doing that together and, um, it was like, you know, we were looking at what the Book of Mormon says about ordinances, like you said, and then we're looking at temples. And it just really opened our eyes. And it's like, wait a minute, do we even read the scriptures? And <laughs> sorry, it was so shocking, the things that we were learning, like, um, the main thing is that we are, we are the temple, we're supposed to be sanctified and cleansed and we become you know the temple of god and Amen. that's the whole point and um you know some people will say you can go to the temple and still get that out of the temple ceremony and things like that but i never did i didn't i didn't get that and i think it takes a person that sees outside of the box because um you know, I'm like a rule follower and like, I do what I'm told, you know, things like that. That's like how I grew up. And so, you know, you go to the temple and you go through the ordinances and you just do all these things. And, and you're like, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I didn't ever, I didn't ever question or, you know, just, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't, yeah. And I couldn't have come to that conclusion. I don't feel like in the temple, yeah. like I was not getting that from it. Um, some of the things that I've, learned about the temples since like I've looked at, you know, I saw, um, the Masonic temple, uh, ceremony verbiage and how similar it was to ours, especially in the very beginning in the early days of the temple and how that was so similar. And I had, I had studied a little bit about the Masons and, and how I, and I didn't, you know, from what I've seen, it, it wasn't, it's not good. And it's not from God. <laughs> and I mean, so considering was, ultimately the, the, the bringer of light that they worship is named Lucifer, literally. Yes. <laughs> probably yes, probably not all, good. No. Not good. Yeah. And then a thought that I kept having is like in the temple video, Satan is instructing you and he's telling you that he's the one that's giving you religion. Basically, he's like, I'll give you, if you, oh, you want religion, do you? Um, you know, yeah. and it's like, wait a minute, is that, you know, that was just so telling. I was like, it, it just was like a confirmation of where, you know, the rules and the religion, techn technical, you know, organizations, institutions for man, mm -hmm. you know, and then, and then the scriptures and the, and then backing that up in the scriptures, it says all have gone astray, all have gone out of the way. In the, in the Book yeah. of Mormon in the last days, all have gone out of the way. And so I'm thinking, okay, if all the churches are, are gone out of the way, Satan's telling us in the temple that religion is, he'll, he'll give you religion. Oh, you want that? Okay, I'll give it to you. Um, it's like, 
all of these things, pile them together. And it's, um, you know, it's really hard though, coming, coming to that conclusion because the temple is the foundation of our beliefs. Like it is, you have to go there or you cannot be saved. You have to be sealed there to your family. And I was, you know, I was talking to my aunt, um, when we were working through this together and it was like, but who's keeping you from that person? Who's keeping you from being from that person? Like you don't have to be sealed to that person to be able to be with that person. I don't, you know, I realizing that that was a man-made, uh, what do you call it? Rule or, (laughs) you know, thing. It was just so shocking. So, you know, temple, and everything associated with temples and inside the temple and all the ceremonies or, and and you know the endowment, all that that is central. I mean, I I don't mm-hmm. think I'm going out of I don't think I'm misspeaking here. It is right. central, a central aspect of Mormonism, LDS Mormonism. It uh, is. isn't a part of it isn't a part of our LDS, which is very interesting. It's a big difference between uh, the two. Um, so I always find this very interesting, just learning about this and everything. But, it, you know, here's the question, because it's not just that temple is a side part of your religion that is uh, optional, right? I mean, it's if you want to be in celestial glory, if you want to be with your family, if you want all this stuff, it, the saving ordinances, they're all done in the temple, right? So mm-hmm. salvation is it can only come through the temple. According right. to According the doctor of the church, the leader. Okay, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so here's my question: If we must be saved through what takes place in the temple, then where is, where did Christ mention the temple, or it's, or you know, in his doctrine in third Nephi right. when he said, "Here's right. here's everything you need to know." If it was right. that important, why would why did he not include it? That would be my question. Exactly. I've, I've asked that and it's not, you know, it's not there. <laughs> it's yeah, not well, there. He, he, Joseph Smith, here's these plates. This is vitally important. This, these plates are going to herald the work of the last days. Mm-hmm. And these plates are going to correct your stumbling and they're going to tell you all the things that are missing stuff that's been taken out of the Bible. It's going to be right here, plain as day, everything that you're missing. And yet no mention no mention of needing to have a temple and do anything in the temple. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, it was also not, uh, another interesting thing that I was looking at was that um, the original tabernacle in the old Testament, mm-hmm. you know, it was constructed tent materials, temporary stuff. And David is like, I want to build you a house, a permanent house. And the Lord's like, I don't need a permanent house. And wh- how, what are you going to build that you can contain me? I mean, I'm everywhere. You can't contain me. I'm everywhere. How are you going to propose to build me a house? And yet it was just like when the Israelites won the king and he's like, no, you don't need a king. That's not good for you. Oh, but we'd really like to have one. He's like, okay, well, here's your king then. You know, and so he let a temple be built. But my goodness, the whole purpose of the tabernacle was to show it is temporary because it's going away. It's not a permanent part of the religion. So it's it's interesting that it did go away. Even though they tried to build a permanent situation, it was destroyed. Christ said that this temple will be destroyed. It was destroyed. And here we are. And suddenly we got temples again. What's going on with that? (laughs) Right, right. 
And I don't think people realize it because they don't act. It's like, I didn't, I didn't know because I didn't study myself. You know, like my kids were in a, a play for Christmas and the veil and it was all about Christ. And it was really beautifully like depicted his life. And at the end, you know, it showed like the veil was rent in the temple. And I mean, that just hit me. It was like, um, there is no more veil. Yes. There is no more veil. Except for the one that was restitched back together by men in the restoration in the church. Yes. To try to, yes. to try to separate us again from God and that we must go through all these different steps and have someone else intercede for us to be able to have salvation. I right. mean, that's what I came to a realization. Jesus went to the cross to rent that veil, and then we sort of started to stitch it back up together again in the church over the years. Not just LDS, right. but our LDS. We did the same thing. It was like, you know, right. without the priesthood and without all the, we got to go and do this stuff for you or you can't have it. And I'm like, this is 180 degrees different than what the Lord <laughs> said. Right. Uh, right. And, um, that was another thing that I saw in the Book of Mormon where Christ says there that he is the keeper of the gate and he employs no servant there. And that just was such a huge eye-opener because I'm thinking, here we have to go through the church to get our temple recommend yeah. to, you know, we have to say that President Nelson is a prophet of God in order to be saved on because we can't go we and if we don't say that, we can't go to the temple. If we don't go to the temple, mm. we can't be go to the celestial kingdom. And so if we don't, you know, and then that just goes against the scriptures right there saying that there's no keeper, there's no, he's the keeper of the gate and there's no servant there. So that was super eye opening to me. Well, our LDS church, (laughs) let me tell you our experience. So we had something called the go teach, go ye and teach series. It was a slide series used to be the old slides, you know, you would show on a projector and, you know, get updated to a PowerPoint. But, you know, we were never, we were never out to bring people to Christ. Mm -hmm. We knew it. I mean, it was a rare time that you would bring someone to Christ. You, what you were doing is people already kind of believed in God or Christ, whatever level went to a different church and you're trying to steal sheep from other churches and bring them into the more perfect church. And so we're literally going out, not like the disciples of old, preaching in power about Christ and the cross, but we're out going, Joseph Smith was a prophet, and uh, we got this Book of Mormon, and we got this, and we got this, and we've got all the right offices of priesthood, and you don't have that, and here's what you don't have, but we have, and we've got the more correct religion. So we're converting people to a religion, and we're converting them to ideas about our religion but not to Christ. It's not really Christ is taking a back seat. I think. Oh, I don't know if that's your experience sure. or not. It, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, so my aunt just, I guess they just changed the temple ordinance like this week. And, okay. um, my aunt said that, you know, she went and so it was, um, and, you know, a lot of changes. And I think they do a lot of their changes are because of complaints or things that they're hearing that people don't like yeah. about the temple. But, um, one of the things at the end was like, you're promising, you're making covenants with a prophet. You're making covenants with Peter, which is 
really weird. I mean, if I think about it, it's <laughs> what I think you're, they're trying to do is make it to where, oh yeah, see, we're supposed to covenant with a prophet. We're supposed to have a prophet and keep that prophet as the middleman instead, you know, as a servant there. Um, yeah. instead of, you know, I think, I think they're worried about people, you know, leaving honestly and, and not having the prophet as the center. Um, you know, I never did read in any of the gospels, whether, uh, Bible or the book of Mormon, I never read, read where Jesus said that we had to believe in Joseph Smith. Right. And or a lot of Brigham people, Young, or in yeah. any of the, or any right. of the church prophets. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, and he I never, think... if Peter was the first president of the church, like some people think, okay, yeah. where in the gospel of Christ did it say we need to believe in Peter? that Peter is right. the head of the church or that Peter is a prophet or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. Believe, and, on, and believe we, on me, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like in our journey it's we've had to really it shed those layers because it's like, you're so used to following a uh, man. You're so used to having that. I mean, it was a security blanket. The first night I remember feeling like, like the, like the church isn't true, you know, like the prophet isn't a prophet. I felt like my security blanket was completely taken away. I remember just having the most vulnerable feeling like all of a sudden I was, I felt alone and I felt like it was, um, I mean, this was in the very beginning of my journey. Cause like at this point it was, they were my comfort and security. And it was like, they had everybody in a group. And it was just this, this feeling of safety. And all of a sudden, all of that was gone. Mm. And it was, it was really, yeah, shock, uh, really, it's, um, vulnerable place. <laughs> it's a, it's a wilderness experience. Yes. I would imagine. Yes. I mean, yes. You know, the, 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 the Israelites, they all came out together at once. And even then, they were lamenting the loss of the comfort of Egypt. What's tough for people uh, in our position is as we begin to question our church institutions and realize there are things that aren't right. And it's, of course, it's a joy to come unto the Lord and, and find out. And it's very freeing in many ways, but also it's not a comfortable thing. It's it's discomfort because everything was laid out for you before. All you got to do mm -hmm. is follow these yeah. steps, right? Follow yeah. our yep. the rules. Here's how things are laid out. We've got this all planned. We've got it all figured out for you. Just follow A, B, C, and D. You're good. You'll get right. into celestial glory. You got your temple recommend. Got Here's the plan. And all of a sudden you realize maybe that's not what the Lord is actually going to be looking at when I stand before him. You know, right. is, is the litmus test, well, let me see here, you know, uh, depart from me because you don't have your temple recommend. That's not in the scriptures. You know, it's, do you know me? Yeah. And so yep. that's a whole different, now you're out in the wilderness and you realize, well, I need to have my own relationship. So yeah, I, I totally understand that, you know? Yeah. I feel, I feel like I was so, so I feel I feel almost embarrassed in front of the Lord that I was so deceived. You know what I mean? Like I didn't do my work and I wasted a lot of my life. I felt that way. And, um, you know, looking at the temple 
and you know things i feel like it's such a distraction to actually serve dead people when there's living people right in front of us that need us and i have family members that are setting those living people aside because they're too busy with the dead people in the temple and it's sad and i'm like how are we going to learn actually and grow and become better and work through these um the the mm -hmm. pure gospel of christ how we're supposed to be mourning with those that mourn and you know comforting those that stand in need of comfort and those are the people that need us right now and we're over there in the temple doing something for someone that is not here anymore Wow. That is definitely powerful. A, a realization that I've had lately. <laughs> I, I I hear your passion, and uh, yeah. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Uh, this might okay. be a controversial question. Uh, okay. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about Brigham Young? And I, and I ask okay. that because you know Brigham Young University. I mean, this is yeah. really essentially the first prophet of the LDS proper Utah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts? Okay, so my thoughts. Um, I didn't know much about Brigham Young until I started waking up and realizing all of these things, um, researching Joseph Smith. Um, but my husband had had read the um, discourses. I don't know the full title of the book, the discourses of Brigham Young, or maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> And um, he really admired him for, you know, having all the, doing all the, you know, getting all the saints to Utah and just all the, the big things that it were, was accomplished under him. But as I have learned more about him, um, I feel like he, he is definitely someone that we hide, we hide in the church. Like we hide the things that he's done. We hide the teachings that he's taught. Um, he used to teach blood atonement and, um, he used to teach, uh, swearing by your throat. He used to teach that Adam was God. Um, he used to teach, you know, he was the one that said blacks couldn't hold the priesthood and he's the one that instituted polygamy. And I just, I mean, I've, I've heard some pretty crazy things. I've read some pretty crazy things that he's done. Um, he feels like a dictator. And I know a lot of people were very, very oppressed and scared um, of yeah. him. And it's sad to me that we have, you know, the Brigham Young University and, you know, all these things. It's like a legacy of his, but it's not, mm -hmm. he would, I don't, I, he was not a good person. I don't believe he was a, he was a, a man of God. Um, in his, you know, in his own words, he rewrote Joseph Smith's history. And in his own words, he was not a prophet. And so many things, he condemns himself with his own words. Yeah. Uh, it's tough because, you know, of course, then you also see great quotes from him that sound like really good quotes. And I think yeah. it's maybe selective. Um, that's yeah. one thing I found out about our own RLDS church history. I had the whole set and I've got the point where I just don't need them anymore because what I realized yeah. is there's good things in there, but what they did is they cherry picked. So yeah. we're getting a whitewashed history and yeah. I'll never forget the shock that I felt when I was, I was watching YouTube one day and I was, a, I think it was the first time I'd ever heard of Jonathan Neville if I'm saying his name correctly. Mm. 
Jonathan Novell, he, he writes, he's LDS. He writes a number of books. Uh, one that I just recently uh, read, which was on a man who can translate. Um, that was a really good book. But anyway, the first time I'd ever seen him was on YouTube and he was talking in front of a whole group of, it was a pretty big group of LDS people. And he said, uh, hey, how many of you have the LDS, you know, church history in your house? You know, the so many volume set or whatever. And all these people raise their hands. He says, yeah, so take that and uh, throw it away. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, what? And he goes, it's full of lies. Mm -hmm. And what he was talking about was this is the first time I'd heard about the uh, Joseph Smith papers. And he oh, was yeah. talking about that. And he said, I've discovered, he says, this is a whitewashed history. It's not really telling you yep. the true history. They have rewritten the histories. And some things are in here didn't even happen. And there's a whole mm -hmm. lot of things that happened that they didn't put in here and they just changed it. You know, and I was shocked that and as far yeah. as, he's still a member of the church. So I, I'm not sure how he got away with that comment. But <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but crazy. In any case, wow. Yeah. Wow, that is crazy. But, but you know yeah. you can you can pick out select quotes from from Brigham Young or anybody and mm -hmm. and make them and they can look good and maybe they had some good qualities you know not everybody right. is one hundred percent evil usually so <laughs> right I but, mean but yeah it's hard I mean you can't you don't I mean we weren't there but the fruits are the fruits and you can judge yeah. by the fruits it's hard and, to get around blood atonement I mean that's right right hard to get around that one. You did say something about uh, black and white thinking. Do you want to yes. talk about that? Sure. Yes. Okay. So, so um, an idea in the church, or basically the foundation, really, is that if the Book of Mormon is true, then everything else is true. And that yeah. is um, an idea I think that most people have in the church. And so it keeps you from questioning things or really looking into things because that's your justification of, well, it has to be true. And so, yeah. you know, even when they see things in the church going, going on, you know, with the leaders and the, you know, the, maybe the investments or who they're associating with or all those things that are happening, it's, they just justify, it's easy to just justify and say, well, it, the book of Mormon is true. So, you know, seems like, it has to be seems like true. It, it seems like logic, a, a form of logic or reason. I mean, you know, if the Book of Mormon is true, then surely that means that Joseph Smith was a true prophet, right? So then, therefore, this church must be true. I, I see why missionaries would lead with Book of Mormon because people get a testimony of the Book of Mormon because it is true, right? Yeah, it is true. Of course. Of course, it is. It does, it's not really well thought out because, and that if you think you're the only Mormon church, but then again, if you get a testimony of the Book of Mormon, then I would tell you there are LDS churches, the true church. Right, right. Because then you I think mean, about well, how or the can temple lot. other churches? Right, right. How can other churches have the Book of Mormon and there then be the true church? Right, and then yeah. that's that's I think the the justification for the polygamy sect. Well, the Book of Mormon is true. Joseph Smith sure. must have been a true prophet and pay, yeah. pin polygamy on him. It, you have to do that or you can't go to the celestial kingdom. Well, let's just let's let's be real here. <laughs> if if the church is true because the Book of Mormon is true, um, and then if the DNC, Doctrine and Covenants, is true and all the revelations that were given, then ultimately these polygamy groups are actually the true church of God, aren't they? Because they're following right. 
section, what is it, 1 section 132? 132, yes. Okay. So that was, yeah. Um, that was another way a case huge eye-opening <laughs> A case could me. be made. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at some and, point, someone is drawing a line and saying, well, yeah, but we're right. not going to do this. But, but, but why? And, that's, and for me, I think right. that would be problematic, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's got to be problematic. Well, People must have that discussion. Why aren't we doing, if polygamy is true and this is a revelation from the Lord, then why aren't we doing that? Yeah. And, the, you know, it never comes up. That question never comes up in church. You never hear that from anyone. I've never heard it. Um, But the thing that you do hear, well, so if you look at section 132 and where it talks about David and Solomon, how they had many wives and that thing was good, you know, from the Lord. And then you look at Jacob too, and and it says that Jacob and Solomon had many wives, but it was an abomination and it was not pleasing to the Lord. And so those two things, night and day, and they cannot go together. And so that should be a wake up call to everyone. This is not true. One of them can't, isn't true because they can't both be true. No, they can't. Yeah, and it was it was a new thing for me too uh, to realize because I'd never caught this before until my last reading of the Book of Mormon, and I don't know why I didn't catch it, but I think it's because the 116 pages got lost. I'm going to say that's my theory, okay? Okay. Because later in the Book of Mormon, they're talking about why the Nephites are going to be destroyed and why God is going to allow the Lamanites to destroy them, and it also says plainly why the Lamanites will be preserved and the reason given and it's in the argument you're talking about I think in Jacob there the reason given is Mm -hmm. you know that when we came to this new land the land of promise that a strict command was given to our father Lehi that they were to have they were not to practice polygamy in this in this promised land and that that was one of the reasons for the destruction of Jerusalem. Right. And I was like, what? And I was like, what? And he says, right. but the, the Lamanites who you hate, you know, they don't practice polygamy. They're better than you because they don't practice polygamy. And because they don't practice polygamy, God's going to preserve them. Even though they're wicked, they're more righteous than you. He will preserve them because they don't practice polygamy. Because you are practicing polygamy, you're going to be wiped off this land. And I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You know, <laughs> yeah. Whatever took place in the old world, right. on this land, the covenant he made is polygamy will not be practiced here. Well, right. okay, then then how do we have section 132 then? Right, right, right. My, my husband just did a video on on Jacob too, because um, it's, you know, it's super controversial in our church because it's the justification, verse 30 has the justification clause, but people don't read it with the spirit and they don't read it with, you know, there's chiasmus in that, that proves what that verse means. And then there's also these things is, is pointing to polygamy every single time. So if you insert polygamy into these things, then it shows actually what verse 30 means. And it's just, I mean, I think that if you you don't want to know, then you'll use that verse. But if you really do, you can come to the truth. Absolutely. He also found something interesting um, in there that we need to be repenting 
of and forsaking that sin, all, all of us in in the church, we need to shed that, or we're going to be destroyed. Like it says that in Jacob too. This is going to be challenging, I, and I know probably not for you, but I mean, it was something <laughs> that I had I had to come to as well because we're all mm-hmm. all of us all of us Mormons whether we were Mormon light or (laughs) Mormon 2.0 or whatever version we were, but we were all taught that, you know, this is the one true church. You need to come into the one true church. This is where salvation comes through the church Mm -hmm. and comes through uh, its priesthood and so forth. But, you know, one thing, what Christ says is if you will come to me and make a covenant with me, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, with fire and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and then, you are my church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes the church not an institution. It doesn't right. make it th- this corporate body that has been registered with the United States of America under tax code, mm-hmm. whatever. That's a mm-hmm. revolutionary idea. Is that something that you and your husband have been looking at? Is this uh, redefining what the church really is? Oh, for sure. I mean, I wish everyone could come to that conclusion because that's the truth. You know, it's been amazing to be able, you know, we've gathered with friends and family and just that are like-minded, you know, for service, just worship and things. And it is so powerful. It is so um, uplifting and fulfilling. And I wish we could do that. Everyone could do that and feel that. It's so much better. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, is a, it, it is a liberty. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. reminded in, in First Corinthians it says that where the spirit of Christ is, there's liberty. It's not mm-hmm. bondage, you know. So if we're feeling right. in bondage, then when we have fear and we're, you know, afraid to even ask questions, right. the Lord, the Lord loved questions. You know, Peter, James, and John, they asked so many questions, you know, and He loved that. Mm-hmm. You know, they kept them up late at night asking questions. The Lord's not afraid of questions. God's big enough. He's not afraid of your questions. I, I found that out. There's no question yeah. too controversial. Um, I've, I've, I've had sessions with the Lord where I'm like, okay, Lord, what is going on here? I don't get this. What's going on? He's not afraid of that. He's never been upset mm-hmm. at me, you know, for coming yeah. to him. And one of the beautiful things about what we just talked about here is that even though you were raised in one institution and I was raised in mm-hmm. another, and I'm still a member of a church, you know, some offshoot of the RLDS technically, and mm-hmm. you're still part of the LDS church. Um, yep. and yet. And yet, for me anyway, at least on my side, I feel like we're in the same church. Yeah, There's nothing, yeah. oh, I do like, too. I don't feel like some requirement that you would have to do something, denounce whatever, and and then, you know, join some club so that you and I could partake mm-hmm. of the communion of the Lord together, His the, the bread and the wine and the body. I mean, it's the same Lord, <clears throat> you know? the same Lord that we believe in. And uh, to me, that's beautiful. That, that was one of the most beautiful things I understood is when I could worship with men and women from the church of Christ, Hedrickite temple lot, for example, that I had brothers and sisters in there. And like, I feel the spirit of God in them. And I know they believe a little bit different than I did and have a little bit different background, but it's the same Lord. So how can we be a different church? There's only two churches. And that's that's a, the gem of this whole thing and what the Book of Mormon teaches. It's just so uplifting and, and freeing to let go of the fear that you have. I mean, it's literal fear, I think, that 
we have to worship with people that don't believe the same. So letting that go and taking what they have and giving what you have and coming together, even from different backgrounds, it's awesome. And I feel like God is gathering people that way. He's bringing people together from all different kinds of backgrounds and religions and everything and just pulling pulling people together that believe in him that have a testimony of him and that and want to share you know and come together and worship there's an lds couple that i just talked to recently they they may come and join us at my congregation that i'm pastoring okay i said you'll be welcome just like your family you you don't you don't need to give us any kind of credential check or anything like that we don't need to check your background or whatever we'll just receive you by the by the spirit and that is that is a beautiful thing And, and of course people would have questions like well how could we possibly all come together into one and i'm not saying one denomination but how do we all come together as one body well, first of all, mm-hmm. the Lord said he would. He says, I'm going to, I'm one shepherd. I'll have one flock of sheep. I'm calling my sheep. There'll be one fold, one shepherd. But I got to think it's, it's what we can unify around is the doctrine of Christ. Because who yeah. can disagree with that? Right. And all else doesn't matter. It's like, that's the core. It can be worked out in time. Other things can yeah. be worked out later on. The Lord can set things straight. But the right. thing that he has called us to is his doctrine and his gospel, and that's mm-hmm. that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've re- yeah, I've really come to understand how much love is a part of that. It's just huge, and just loving people, serving people, like James one, I think it's twenty seven. James one twenty seven. Um, it basically says, I'm gonna, I, I'm not gonna try to quote it because I'll get it wrong. But basically says um, that. The pure, undefiled, pure and undefiled religion is um, serving the widowed and the fatherless and um, being unspotted from the world. Absolutely. I'll put that scripture up so we'll have it. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful scripture. This is the true religion. Mm -hmm. The, Mm -hmm. The true religion isn't about temple ordinances and whatever else it's like it's about it's really about the two great commandments right love god yeah love love your neighbor neighbor. Mm -hmm. was there is there is there anything else on your heart um or anything else you want to share with us about your journey at this point and things you've learned any testimony you want to share well um i guess i mean the main thing kind of we just we just talked about it but everybody I mean, the, the, the point is to love and accept and come to, to closer to God together. And anyone can, from any religion can do that. And, and we don't need to be afraid of truth. Um, a, lie, a lie hates being questioned. Truth can stand on its own, for sure. Absolutely. So, Tricia, thank you for uh, joining me today and sharing your experience. Um, it's in, yeah, to me, it's incredibly brave. Um, and I can, I can sense the passion. I know you and your husband and, you know, your family are truly in the, in the hands of the Lord. Um, I do appreciate you sharing. I, I know sometimes it can be problematic to share thoughts and, and questions and so forth. So I hope nothing, <laughs> nothing happens as all that, but, um, you know, I do appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful to have this opportunity and I'm not, yeah, I'm not worried about ramifications. I know whatever God wants me to do, I'll do it. And 
whatever happens, happens. Um, I'm just, I'm just excited to share truth. I have, I do have such a passion for sharing truth and it's freeing when you can actually look at it and, and let yourself believe truth. It is so fulfilling. And it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, yeah. it's just a, a closer relationship with Him. And if, yes. if people frown frown on that, I mean, what can we say? It's just yeah. uh, religion is one thing, um, going to mm-hmm. church is another. But but to really to to have that experience with the living Christ, the resurrected mm-hmm. Christ, to have that experience, to have His Spirit teaching us one on one. I mean, that is. That's the ultimate. That's what we're looking for. And when we stand before him at the last day, that's what he's going to be looking at. You know, right. you know that you have sought him out and he knows that you've sought him out and that you have a relationship and that he's teaching you. Right. And uh, right. you can't get any better than that. That's, that is the joy of life is to come to know him. And so, right. yeah. Uh, all right. And are we truly being sanctified and changed and uplifted and all of those things? Like I, one thing I guess I'll add is that during this whole process, my husband and I, we have changed so much in our desires. Our temptations are going away. Like everything about us is, it is, it is refining and it's, and it's, and it's awesome. And it's, it gives you, I mean, joy. It's, it fills us with joy. So the joy of the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> it's yes. the joy yeah. of the Lord. Yeah. He yeah. changes us. Uh, that's, we can't, yep. we can't, uh, we can't go through a bunch of exercises and, uh, rote religious practices and get purified. But if we come into right. his presence and we seek him out, he will change us. We, he changes us from within. That's one of the most beautiful truths of the book of Mormon is that we come to him and become a new creature in him. You right. know, Alma, have you, have you experienced that mighty change in your heart? And that's what, you, that's right. what you're talking about. It is a beautiful yeah, thing. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm glad you and your and your family are, are experiencing, get to experience that, that Alma talked about, that mighty change mm-hmm. of heart. You're in that process now, so am I. I know I've got a long ways to go, uh, but by God's grace, we'll all get there together. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank all you right. for having me on. <laughs> all right. God bless. Thank you.